0: So I think it would be great to actually move on to some of the questions we just get asked all the time. All the time. I know we answer them over and over again and they are in our FAQs. But speaking about them and running through them in a little bit more detail is probably going to be really helpful for some of the people listening to this. Because we know that they they get asked a lot. Just having a bit more clarification and detail on some of those questions would be a really good place to start. So I think kicking off. I want to know some of the the answers to the following questions for Possible. So, okay. <laughs> what are the main guidelines for a campaign on Possible? So we
1: have kind of a a reasonable list of guidelines that you need to follow. Some are really basic, like it mm. can't you can't be doing anything illegal. You know, selling drugs on Possible mm-hmm. not a good idea. Firearms not a good idea. That seems really obvious, but to some people it's <laughs> yeah. not that obvious. Apparently, really. Um, you have to have a clear outcome, so where's the money going? You have to sure. clearly tra- um, clearly communicate where the money is going. Uh, alcohol, you can definitely do, as we've talked about breweries and things. Within your country, though, you just need to follow the liquor license laws, and in Australia, you need to display your liquor license number on your campaign page. Right. You need to be over at the age of 18, or you need to have the guidance of someone over the age of 18, hence mm. why we ask for uh, photo ID.
0: So, one of the other pieces as well, which um, has been asked a few times, is why do campaigns have to be submitted before they can go live?
1: So, this is effectively talking about the guidelines again. We want to make sure that it fits and is legal and is okay to run. The Mm. other thing we like to do is actually provide feedback. So, we know what a good, successful campaign should look like, and we know what campaigns maybe don't have maybe won't be as successful so we may reject your campaign based on feedback you may not be outside of any of our guidelines but we want to make sure it's as, be- as good as it can be before it goes live exactly it works better yeah. for both of us in that case um so we might reject okay. it because you've only got two reward options instead of the recommended 5 to 7 or because you don't have a budget in place so we we may reject it with feedback we're happy to speak to you and do all those things and or you can just resubmit it and we'll um, we'll approve it, providing it fits our guidelines. So it's very much a two-way process. We're constantly looking at campaigns, how they can be improved, how we can help you improve them. So that's the only reason. And it's about 24 hours yeah. or maximum 24 hours. Often it's a lot less than that. But we'll... Either approve it or reject it with feedback, mm. and then you can you have ways to get in contact with us, myself, and our campaign advisor Tracy to go through what could be better.
0: Sure, and 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 that's because of the success-based model. Because if you don't review that campaign and and help them to really just educate you know themselves on on what's successful and what works, then you know we don't see that campaign be successful and, and we're not successful in actually, you know, being able to to gain a fee from that you exactly. know, it's, it's all success based. And and I think that's what's so beautiful about the crowdfunding model is that we really are doing an awful lot of work for these companies up front and, and these projects on rewards based crowdfunding and so we're only getting paid on success, which
1: Exactly. We gain yeah. nothing if you run an unsuccessful campaign. So we're not rejecting your campaigns mm to be nasty or because we don't want you we're rejecting it to make it better
0: a hundred percent
1: and we don't reject that many i promise
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's always just useful guidance exactly from your experience yeah you know what works there's another question in here as well so once a campaign is live what can't be changed because you've got a number because it's rewards-based crowdfunding and not equity you don't have a financial promotion piece I'm guessing there's there's a few restrictions which can't be changed, but some of it still can be. Is yeah. that the case?
1: Yeah, so you can edit most things once the campaign's live. Gotcha. The things you can't change are your time frame. Mm. So w- people are pledging to your campaign on the basis that you have X amount of time to raise X amount of funds, right. which also means your target can't be changed. The target can't be changed... But if you do reach your target, you can set a stretch target. Gotcha. Um, So there is a little bit of flexibility there. You just can't lower it. Mm. Um, As long as you hit that first target, you're going to receive all your funds, even if you don't reach a stretch target that you've set. So there's flexibility, but you're also not locked into the higher target after that. And then just any rewards that people have already pledged to. So you can't change your reward after someone's already agreed to purchase it. So it's just those three main things. If you need little things like there's a typo in your reward that you want to fix up because it's just not a good look. Just let us know and we can help you with that. But yeah, you can't change the basis of what a reward is after it's been purchased.
0: Yeah, of course. No, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. So how long can you run a campaign for?
1: Uh, So it's a maximum of 60 days. And this is because of the pre-approval process of the pledging process, which means... When I pledge to your campaign, if you haven't yet reached your target, my funds don't get taken from me until you've reached that target. So, if you don't reach your target, there's no worry about refunds or anything like that. But this also means that we need to create a pre-approval of the payment before the payment's actually taken. So, that's why it's restricted to maximum of 60 days. Right, okay. But we do recommend about four weeks. So... Earlier, you discussed the kind of trajectory that equity campaigns go through. It's very yeah. similar to what rewards-based campaigns go through. So mm. they'll start off really strong because all your friends and family are jumping on board. And they'll end really strong because there's an urgency to get in before it closes. Exactly. But that mid-period, we like to call it the U-curve of doom. Thanks, Elliot, for that one. <laughs> it, it, is, it does hit a bit of a lull and every single campaign goes through it. And There's maybe three campaigns that haven't really had that happen. So even the most successful campaigns go through that lull to shorten it as much as possible. Four weeks Mm. is about the sweet spot to keep it as short as possible while maximizing the other two parts. Campaigns are a lot of work. You don't want to make it longer just in the hope that you'll get more money because Mm. it's a lot of work to try and keep it going and promoting it and doing all those things. So as short as possible while still maximizing the good parts. Four weeks. Sure.
0: (laughs) Makes sense, makes sense, makes <laughs> sense. So what payment methods can actually be set up and integrated with, with Possible?
1: Possible allows for credit card or PayPal or both. Um, it really depends on what the creator wants to use. So mm. if you're a supporter going on and you really wanted to pay via PayPal, it's not available. Gotcha. That's because the creator hasn't enabled it. It's not because we're not allowing that to happen.
0: Sure, Yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. So what does it cost for the creators then? We- so... Yeah, we've touched on success base. So yep. there's uh, there's the success fee, which um, you know occurs obviously only on a su- successful campaign.
1: So yeah, you don't pay anything if your campaign's not successful, like nothing at all. Right. When you are successful, uh, there's a five percent platform fee of all pledged plus shipping. Mm-hmm. So that just keeps us alive and able to provide the platform. Yeah. Um, and then merchant fees come into play. So. Credit card fees are 1.75% plus 30 cents per pledge. So mm-hmm. that will only be incurred on credit card pledges. Yep. And then PayPal, if you've enabled PayPal, 2.4% plus 30 cents per pledge. So again, those will only be incurred for PayPal pledges. So you're sure. going to get the 5% and then one of those, never both.
0: Okay, makes sense. So once a campaign has successfully ended, what's the process of receiving those funds?
1: Yeah, so we get a few questions about this because I think uh, there are a few other platforms or services around where you have to actually choose to withdraw funds. Sure. Uh, With us, the whole process is automatic. So say my campaign ends successfully today, the next seven days is what we call the grace period. So this allows those with declined pledges to fix their payment method to still get in even though at first the payment was declined. This yeah, is our grace period. We send daily emails to these supporters every single day until the end of the grace period with instructions how to fix their pledge and the date that their option to do that will close. After that, we gather all the funds together. Your PayPal funds will be coming through per pledge, so you'll, you will already be seeing those funds, but credit card funds get pulled by us, and then we make a transfer after the grace period ends. And then it's about three to five days on the bank's end. So, it can take about 12 days for you to have all your funds.
0: Um, that's when, after the campaign's ends. After ended. the campaign
1: ends, yeah. That's so
0: fac- that's really reasonable.
1: It is short, uh, but definitely factor that into your time frame when you are setting things up. Because yeah. we've often had people say, I've reached my target, can I have my money now? It's, there's yeah. just a bit more of a process to it. And this is all, again, safety net stuff. So... You're maximizing your ability to raise the money. You don't kind of get to the end and, oh, damn, I don't have this or so many of my pledges got declined. The other thing that we get asked about on that as well is if you've reached your target and you're successful and then a pledge gets declined and it drops you below your target. Yeah. That's completely fine. Okay. If, you, if you have declined pledges that drop you below your target, you will still receive the funds that we've captured. So right. you don't automatically become unsuccessful because of decline pledges. So okay. don't worry about that.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. That's, that's all really good to know. So let's put myself in a scenario. Yep. You know, I run a band and we're looking to run a possible campaign. What can we do to best prepare to make the whole campaign successful? So what do we need to do before the campaign actually launches?
1: So there are a few things. And we run workshops and I go through this with everyone. And I think this is probably the best part of the workshop. You should be doing a lot more work before the campaign starts than while the campaign is running. Sure. So this is because you want to be building up your markets. You want to be gathering what rewards you can offer. You want to be doing all these things. So the most important things, one would be setting up your campaign page So it looks good. You want it to be aesthetically pleasing because you want people to enjoy being on there, reading what you've got to say, and then choosing the pledge. If it doesn't look good, people probably aren't going to spend that much time on it. Sure. Preparing your rewards, having a plan for your rewards and maybe having one or two in your back pocket that you can add while the campaign is running as a marketing tool to bring people to your page. So Mm. maybe someone's come to your page. They've not quite found a reward that they want, but then you add something down the track that brings them back and they end up pledging right so having that planned is really good so having a timeline of where you want to do those things sure building up your social media networks and i know a lot of people aren't a fan of social media but it's actually so crucial to crowdfunding just the nature of crowdfunding being web-based having a click that a link that you can just click and get straight to the page people don't have to jump through hoops to find you building up your social media networks being regular like posting on those regularly regularly before launching the campaign, so that when you do launch, algorithms aren't gonna destroy your reach. Yeah. Um, we all love algorithms. Um, <laughs> so that's a really important thing. So don't be posting one thing every six months and then when your campaign's running, posting 12 things a week because.
0: Yeah. It's not
1: going to work. No one's going to see it.
0: It's just not authentic with that audience which you've built out. So it doesn't make sense to do that.
1: Exactly. Um, Um, Building up email newsletter lists as well is really handy. So if that's something you'd like to do, getting people to sign up, teasing that there's something coming. uh, So then as soon as your campaign goes live, you can reach out to those people. is really important. And I think the idea of social media scheduling tools mm. is really beneficial. I use them every day. I know you do too. Yeah. They make your life so much easier because in preparation for the campaign, you can actually schedule a lot of stuff like signposts during the campaign. So we're halfway through. You know that that's going to be halfway through your campaign. Mm. That's not going to change. So you can schedule something for there having all of your assets ready. So Twitter, I'd probably, I don't know about you, but I'd recommend TweetDeck for Twitter. Okay. Um, For Instagram, I think Later is really good, but you're the Instagram guru. So (laughs) if you've got any tips there.
0: I'll I'll touch on it actually for for virtual. Okay,
1: awesome. Instagram and then Facebook has its own scheduling tool embedded in the site. And then if you use any others, just kind of doing a little bit of research, that stuff is really easily found online. Find Mm. something that works for you. You can find free scheduling tools. They, they don't have to cost you money or you can use a trial period that for sure. exists 30 days, which is perfect for the length of a campaign. For sure. So thinking about all those things, how are you going to reach mm. your audience and then expanding from there. And then the last thing I want to touch on is visuals. So this goes back to the aesthetic stuff, but also yeah. a pitch video. Campaigns with pitch videos are 19% percent more successful than those without. And this is because you're building a bond. So, exactly. um me talking to people, uh, me talking to you right now, I'm having a more impact on your remembering and ta- considering something than someone reading what I have to say. Yeah. So, you want to create that bond and get your passion across. So,
0: mm.
1: if you're really passionate about something, you might be able to write the most eloquent thousand-word essay on it. But just saying the words and getting excited about it and that coming through in your voice can make all the difference because as soon as someone finds out that you're really, really excited about what you're doing, yeah. they're going to be far more likely to want to support you because they can tell that you really want to execute this thing. Exactly. And so when we talk, for example, I love footy. If I were to write something to you in an email about footy, you'd probably just ignore it. Uh, but other than I might than that- <laughs> listen to a podcast about footy. <laughs> but when I talk to you about it, you listen to me because it's like… exactly you can tell that I'm getting excited about what I'm saying. 100%. And that is the pitch video in a nutshell. So, Mm. you want it to be two minutes or under. So, don't make it drag on too much, but also have a call to action in it. So, at the end of your pitch video, say, pledge now, support us, help us out, something like that. So, people then have something that they have to do next. So, that's a really important thing. And then, yeah, visuals in terms of photos and stuff that you can not only have on your campaign page to make it look good but mm-hmm. share on social media mm-hmm. having that stuff prepared in advance is really handy so for music people this should be the easiest part of your campaign because you have visual assets to you you should have visual assets to use because you should have press shots you should have maybe a music video or you have yeah. a stream of your song or you have artwork for a song so those things will all benefit you more yeah so consider those really carefully and make sure the branding fits uh so when people go and see something like that they're immediately triggering that that's that band they're running a campaign i'm gonna go and support them so i think those are the key things when it comes to before your campaign what you should yeah. be preparing for
0: yeah oh that's, there's so much detail in that and i think that you've touched on so many subjects which obviously cross over but no, doubt, no, it's, it's really interesting to, to really learn about some of those key points, which you, you mentioned. There's just one piece, I think, at the end, which for some campaigns, I guess, is it's more important than others. But you recently had a campaign which had a lot of press. Yep. So is it essential for com- companies to, or, or campaigns in particular to prepare a, a press strategy and outreach? I think press is
1: only going to be good for you, even if it's not specifically about the campaign. Mm. If it's about what your project is, that's just going to make your project be more successful. So even if your campaign is small or not deliverable for another little while, or um, it's only a side project while you're doing something else, press is still always worth trying to get. Sure. A good way to prepare in advance would be to maybe get a list of journalists that have written something similar or about your topic before or something like that. So then once you hit the 30% target of your – 30% of your target in your campaign, yeah. um, then start pitching to press. Uh, the whole 30% thing is because people are more likely to jump on board with something that they don't know the people of hmm. when it looks like it's going to be successful. And in we sense. found the 30% mark seems to be about that trigger point. Okay. So pitching to press is great. Find press that are relevant to what you're doing. So if I'm – I don't know – in a band. That's the perfect example every time. <laughs> if I'm in a band, I'm not going to pitch to some random, paltry, paltry news or whatever that is that we've got the newspaper of. It's just not relevant. It's so it irrelevant. Yeah. So find people that are relevant. So something that you'll find great success in is local newspapers. So if you live in Northgate, find what the local Northgate newspaper is and pitch to them. You're, you're going to find a great rate of success with that. But then I, I go through, I find music blogs, I find music blogs that have written about my style of music before or other members of my band yeah. and start reaching out to them. That's all you need to do. In terms of what you're pitching, have a one-page press release detailing who you are, what you're doing and why. Have links to be able to find the campaign, your website, your social media. Have a photo at the top so people know who they're talking to. Right. And a header, a catchy header, which probably should be your mission statement on your campaign page anyway. Mm. And then have a CTA at the end. So for interview requests, for this or that, contact this person and an email address. And then in your email to these journalists, just say, hey, we're doing this. Uh, We'd love to get coverage anyway. Let us know what we can do. And then the other great thing to have is a media kit which is like a Google Drive link or a Dropbox link where it's just got press shot a copy of your press release as a PDF and maybe your single artwork or whatever the whatever an image of the product is. Yeah. And then send that as a link so you're not sending a whole bunch of attachments to people's full inboxes. Send it that way. Use technology, it is your friend, and that journalist will love you for that because they want to they don't have much time. So mm-hmm. if you can do a lot of the work for them, you'll probably go further in terms of being successful here
0: agreed agreed no it's, it's it's so important and for virtual as well we we go through a very similar process for a number of companies and you know I, I don't think there's anything that we really do very differently mm. to that. so that the process and the principles of of what you're outlining and presenting is very much so the same
1: yeah